Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number five of the Road World Baseball podcast. I'm DJ Short, and I'm jo- joined here, as always, by Drew Silva. Hey, Drew. How's it going? What's up, DJ? Uh, got fitted for a tuxedo for my best friend's wedding today, so that was kind of exciting. Um, it's a late June wedding in St. Louis where it gets very hot and humid around that time of year, so I'm hoping that it's breathable fabric. Right. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm like in the wedding, so I've got to do the pictures and stuff. I can't just show up to the reception. <laughs> so yeah. I'm a little I'm a little worried I'm gonna be just dying. But whatever. Yeah, it is wedding season. I'm actually headed out the door literally as soon as we finish this show, traveling for a wedding this weekend. So we're recording this early Thursday evening, so I'm actually gonna miss the draft, which is gonna begin here in a little bit. And uh sort of a bummer for me because the draft is always an educational experience for me and obviously very different than the NFL and the NBA. Like with the job, the job that we have, it's hard enough following major league teams every day and everything that's going on with them from a fantasy perspective and trying to learn as much as possible about prospects in the minor leagues. But with these players that are being drafted tonight, I haven't seen the great majority of these guys play. Yeah, same. I, I wish I knew more about it, but like you said, like I'm so time, I'm so consumed with other stuff in early June. I kind of wish they would do it in the off season. I know that doesn't really work with college baseball and high school baseball schedules, but yeah, I, I barely know anything about these guys. I've, I've followed Jason Groom a bit, that high school pitcher from New Jersey, uh, who I think is projected to go third overall. Um, he looks like a stud, but really everyone else, like I just vaguely know their name and where they play ball. Right. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of Phillies fans would love to see them take groom, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Maybe there's going to be a surprise. Um, but it looks like uh, we've heard Mickey Moniak, uh, he's a Mm -hmm. Southern California outfielder. looks like there's been a lot of buzz with him potentially going number one. So we'll have to see how that plays out. I've been doing a lot of reading over the past couple of weeks about these guys. And I actually put projected first rounders into the system at Roto World. So got a chance to learn a little bit about them. But from a fantasy perspective, I'm going to get a chance to draft some of these guys in dynasty leagues in the next couple of weeks, uh, mostly in score sheet kind of leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, wow. no surprise, mostly going to be going for college bats. Um, cause you're going to get to see them soonest. They're generally safer. So interested to see tonight where 
Corey Ray goes, Kyle Lewis, uh, Nick Senzel. Those are the names I'm sort of looking for, but going to learn a lot more about these guys in the coming weeks and months, and we're certainly not experts on them yet. Yeah, the Cardinals have three of the first 34 picks tonight, and they draft, they're going to draft four times tonight. And the Cubs don't draft until tomorrow, 103rd overall. So this is like a big draft for the Cardinals as an organization, I feel like. Um, so as a Cardinals fan, I, I am kind of looking forward to learning about who they who they pick. Yeah, they don't they don't start picking until number twenty two, so I probably won't even know who they draft. But um, I, it's a big draft for that organization, I think. Right, and the Mets, I think they're picking seventeenth or sixteenth, and then they got the sup pick for Daniel Murphy. Yeah, thirty one, um, I think thirty one overall. So, and I've heard they're connected to college bats and arms, so. We'll see how that all plays out. Anyway, a bunch to get to here, but we'll go over headlines and open the Roto World mailbag. But wanted to remind everyone how you can help the show. Subscribe on iTunes if you're listening for the first time today. If you've been checking out an episode here and there, just click subscribe. And if you're digging what you're hearing so far, please rate and review the show. It'll help more people find it. So again, rate, subscribe, review, anything you could do to help would be much appreciated. Um, I guess we have to start this week with... Yet another brawl in baseball. We had Rugnet Odor and Jose Bautista last month, but on Tuesday we saw Manny Machado and Jordano Ventura get into it. Um, Machado suspended for four games. He is appealing that suspension, so he's in the lineup Thursday. Uh, we'll be in the lineup until his case is heard. We haven't heard what's going on with Ventura yet. Uh, he I, got nine games. It, it just happened okay. right before we came on. Man. Nine games. All right, that that makes sense. I mean, he was the... He was the instigator in this. Oh, for sure. And he's a repeat offender. Um, I think like nine games is is a lot, but he's only going to miss one turn. And for a guy like, I don't know, he got in the face of Mike Trout last year. I think that was last April, um, which kind of gave us a funny image of Trout towering over Ventura. (laughs) And then um, in that Jeff Passan of Yahoo Sports wrote kind of a scathing article about Ventura Passon is like a Kansas City based guy, so I think he knows a lot about it. And he said that uh, Ventura in the clubhouse last year, this must have been during the ALCS, said that he was going to plunk uh, Jose Batista. Right. And um, apparently, like all, all the Royals teammates rolled their eyes, and there's been talk from inside the clubhouse that they're just hoping this, this dude will grow up. It's, it's a lot cooler when you're doing that. I think Adam Jones had a great quote um if you want to be pedro martinez you know have a sub two era first and then you can be pedro (laughs) martinez yeah i saw that that was i retweeted that because i thought that was so great yeah i mean right now ventura's sitting on a 5.32 era and if you drafted him this spring you were probably hanging your hat on uh there'll be good good amount of strikeouts but he ranks like in the bottom fourth of strikeout rate among qualified starters and the walks are way up. So it's weird just, for how hard he throws to not get the whiffs. Absolutely. I mean, it tells you that he's just, he's not right. And, um, it just makes him kind of look like an idiot when he's throwing at a star like Manny Machado. And I'm not into like, uh, meathead mentality where you go out and try to start a fight with everyone you see. But if someone's throwing at you three times in a game and, and jawing at you when you hit a fly out, you got to stick up for yourself at some point. So I, I really have no problem with Machado's actions. Yeah, I, 
I understood it in that case. Of course, you don't want to see that kind of thing, um, or you hope it wouldn't have to come to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first the first pitch, if it was just an inside pitch and he was trying to back him off the plate um, and have the inside corner there, I guess you could understand that, but it was back-to-back pitches in the at-bat. Um, I mean, Machado's had his own issues uh, in sure. the past, um, but clearly uh, Ventura has that history. We've seen this from him before. Uh, he had a seven-game suspension last year, um, so we he has this history, and obviously a really talented guy. But you have to think his manager and teammates are sort of getting tired of defending him publicly. Yeah, and the thing is, with these starting pitcher suspensions, um, if you want them to make it fair and suspend a starter for you know two weeks or a month so that he actually misses some legitimate time. Uh, the Royals can't replace him on their roster. So you're, you're really like hurting the whole team in a major way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're only one game above 500, but they are the defending world series champs. And they're only two and a half games back in the division as we record this on Thursday evening. So that, I mean, that's a big hit to the entire team and it's probably not very fair. I, I don't know how you, how you do it in a fair way. Uh, that's a that's a good point. I mean that that is fair. Not that fantasy owners are going to miss him when he's gone for two turns because no. I, I think at this point you probably dropped him in mixed leagues, and if you haven't, you should. Um, yeah, this brawl isn't going to have the fantasy implications of the Rugnito door suspension, which of course brought us Jerks and Profar, who's been awesome. He he got his first day off uh, yesterday, but returned to the leadoff spot today, uh, you know, where he's hit. 12 times in 12 starts since his call-up. I, I mean, unless you're into, like, we might see a lot of Paul Yanish, I guess, once Machado finally serves his suspension. Yeah, that's not so exciting. So. <laughs> if you're into Paul Yanish. Right. And Profar started at third base Thursday in place of Beltre, uh, who is out with a hamstring injury. We don't know if it's going to be a DL situation or anything like that, but, again, had to start at first base the other day, so the Rangers are... Or mixing him in all over the place. First start ever on any level at first base, and he looked really good, too. Yeah, I think you retweeted a video of him uh, pulling off a great stretch and scoop. Yeah, that was impressive. That was impressive. Um, so they're mixing him into the lineup there, and I think a, a week or two ago we were saying, I don't know if he's going to carve out mixed value in this situation, but he's doing it right now, and he's going to get that eligibility at different positions. So a really useful piece potentially in mixed leagues. And if, if you got out ahead on that situation, you're sitting pretty right now. Yep. The number one prospect in baseball two years ago, and we're, we're, we're starting to see some of that upside right now. Yeah. And Profar could come in handy. Uh, we saw Carlos Correa leave Thursday's game with a left ankle sprain. He rolled it on the first base bag, trying to leg out a single uh, x-rays came back negative, fortunately. So he's sort of a day-to-day situation. The Astros optimistic. He's not going to need a DL stint, but not expected to play Friday, but probably a good idea in general for fantasy owners to have a backup plan for the weekend. I'd say. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. And Profar could be that guy. He's Profar is actually still out there in about half of Yahoo leagues right now. So you never know, check your wire, see, see if he's out there and, and, and pick him up. Cause he's, he's going to be a useful piece, I think. Um, but moving on, we're going to talk about some closer situations and not that it's mattered much so far for fantasy owners, but twins manager, Paul Molitor announced that he's moving away from Kevin Jepsen out of the closer role. And he's been awful all year, six, one, seven ERA in 25 appearances. Glenn Perkins still in the early stages of his throwing program. He's working his way back from a shoulder strain. So we're going to see 
Brandon Kinsler and Fernando Abad to share the role. Kinsler, the right-hander, so you'd think he'd have the edge in this situation. Still not overly excited about it. Uh, what are you thinking here? Yeah, Abad has definitely pitched better overall. Very good numbers, 0.87 ERA, 21 strikeouts and 20 and two-third innings. But I feel like the way twin, the Twins are going, and they might just like stick with Kinsler at closer. I mean, he worked a scoreless inning last night, got his first career save, struck out John Carlos Stanton to end it, though that's not really a feat these days. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 2.30 ERA, 11 strikeouts to one walk in 15 and two-third innings since his call-up on May 8th. Like, I, I don't think he's a really good pitcher or anything, but we're talking about the Twins here, and I think they might just roll with him until he, he messes it up. And like you said, Glenn Perkins is – I think he just threw his second bullpen session earlier this week. Um, it's possible he suffers another setback and yep. we don't see him for a long time. And like you said, Kevin Jepsen has been, has been horrible. So I'd be riding with Kinsler right now, and if I'm in a deep league, I'm stashing a bod too. Yeah, what's crazy about Kinsler, he passed through waivers twice last year. He was designated for assignment twice last year, signed a minor league deal with the Twins over the winter, and same deal with the body, signed a minor league deal with the Twins, made the bull, made the opening day roster. Kinsler actually began the year in AAA before getting called up in May. I don't think either are long-term options here. Probably Trevor May is still the long-term guy, mm -hmm. but yep. he, he's been way too inconsistent. Misses bats, but just too shaky to get that role. And also where the Twins are right now, they're not winning games. I don't think they want to put a guy who could be expensive through the arbitration process and put him in the closer role, saving games that really don't matter right now. Sure. And if Abad and Kinsler are pitching well come trade deadline time, they'll probably just deal them, um, you know, and, and hopefully get like some low level prospects. Because yep. that's what that's what you know teams in the crapper do come trade line time. They they kind of unload their bullpens or they try to at least. Yeah, I could see Abad being an interesting name at the deadline as a lefty specialist kind of guy. Um, so yeah, definitely keep an eye on that. Um, and then we have the Astros, which is a bit more exciting for fantasy owners, I think, but still potentially murky situation. Luke Gregerson obviously kept his closer role to begin the year. A lot of people thought that Ken Giles was going to be the closer to begin the year, but it's Luke Gregerson, but he blew his fifth save of the season last Saturday. So now A.J. Hinch backing off of him, saying he's going to use a committee, but he told Julia Morales earlier today that you should get Will Harris in fantasy baseball and see what happens. I think that's pretty good advice. <laughs> I, I wish more managers would do that. <laughs> and football coaches, too, because they never re reveal anything. It would make this job a lot easier. Um, but, yeah, Harris, uh, he's gotten the last two save opportunities for Houston and convert converted them both with ease. He's got a 0-3-3 ERA, 30-4 K to walk in, in 27 and two-third innings. It's very weird where we are with this situation considering everyone was deciding between Ken Giles and Luke Gregerson this spring. Um, but, I, I mean, how can you not like Harris? He's been very good, you know, dating back to, I think, the middle of last season. Um, and the Astros have been playing better ball. I, I know they've been getting owned by the Rangers, but uh, overall a lot better record over the last month. And I would expect that they're going to only get better because they've got – some nice prospects on, on the way, something we'll, we'll probably touch on later in this podcast. Yeah. Did you see what Ken Giles said about the Rangers this week? I think it was after the, the loss on Monday. I, I saw an article about 
the Rangers posting it in their clubhouse. I don't think I saw the actual quote, though. Yeah, Ken Giles basically said that the Astros have more talent than the Rangers and they shouldn't be losing these kind of games. <laughs> he might be right. <laughs> yeah, I think on paper, I think he is right. But uh, I think they're, they were, what, 7-0 and versus the Astros at the time of him saying that? So Yeah, it's like 8-1 and now. Yeah, and I'm sure, I'm sure his teammates and coaches probably rolled their eyes when they saw that quote. Uh, and then he did obviously become bullet, bulletin board material, which is not, not what you want. So, but yeah, Harris appears to be the guy here, but the Astros could play the matchups, play leverage situations. So who knows how this is going to play out, but I think Harris is the guy you want, but a good idea to keep Giles stashed too. And I still think Gregerson will be in this mix as well. So yeah, they're a very analytics driven team. And sure. I, I, mean, I think we both agree that just not naming naming a closer and just using your best relievers in the in the most high leverage situations is how you should operate a baseball yeah, team. It's not great for fantasy owners, but it makes all the sense in the world for baseball. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I, Harris looks like a must own right now, and you got to treat him like that. But but you're right. It, it's very possible that I think especially Giles because of what they gave up for him, and he's pitched a lot better lately. If he really starts dominating. Um, maybe they turn it over to him with, after like one Will Harris hook hiccup or something. It's possible. It's possible. Another closer situation we need to watch: the Giants. Uh, Santiago Casilla. The numbers don't look terrible. Two seven zero ERA, one oh seven WHIP for the year, but four blown saves, a couple of shaky appearances recently. Bruce Bochy played the matchups in the ninth inning Wednesday, so Casilla got one out. Then Javier Lopez, the left-hander, came in to get David Ortiz. Then Hunter Strickland got the last out of the game and the save. What are we thinking with this situation? Yeah, um, I, I mean it's it's a it's a situation that's not as clear as obviously Minnesota and Houston's because Casilla ha- does have really the best over numbers overall. Um, for the guys in the back of that bullpen. Um, and and I think they're going to stick with him. Like, there was a shot after the game last night of Casilla and Bochi hugging after they finished off that big win over the Red Sox. I don't I don't want to read too much into a hug, but... I, I mean, they're gonna, <laughs> he got they're gonna, traded. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah, 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 hug watch. But no, they're, they're going to stick with him for a while because he's been good. Um, but Hunter Strickland is a guy that we've been talking about for a while that is kind of their closer of the future. And um, he's been very good this year. Like you said, he got the one out save last night. Corey Guerin maybe is a decent stash too. This is all speculative though. Um, Casilla has allowed three earned runs over his last two and a third innings, but it's kind of a small blip on what's been a pretty good season. But if, I don't know if you're in a deep, deep league and you're really desperate for saves it wouldn't be a bad idea to to pick up hunter strickland though he's probably already owned in a deep league anyway yeah i think strickland he has everything you want in a closer he really fits sort of that what we usually generally pick up when you're looking for a closer and waiting but i'm not sure that he has bochi's faith yet and and you and you're right Corey garen i he's pitched the eighth inning wednesday uh, which he seems to get a lot. He has nine. Mm-hmm. He has nine holds on the year. Strickland has six. So I think if you really want to speculate, he's out there in more leagues. If you want to speculate, he might be somebody to grab. I guess Sergio Romo could be back in this mix eventually if he ever gets healthy. Um, but I kind of like Garen in this situation actually. Yeah, Romo just started experiencing more arm fatigue, so it could be a while yeah. with him. Who knows? Um, 
Yeah, if I'm in a deep league, I might as well stash Strickland and Garen and, and just see how it plays out. Yeah, and maybe we quickly we should mention the Reds, too. They recently announced that Rysel Iglesias will return as a reliever in an effort to protect his arm. And this is a guy who many were counting on as a breakout candidate this year. I know I was. Had a 3-4-9 ERA with a strikeout per inning over five starts prior to hitting the DL with a right shoulder injury in late April. So if you were thinking of dropping him, you should probably hold on to him at this point. There's definitely opportunity in the back end of this bullpen, which is just an awful, historically rotten bullpen with the Reds right now. So if you see him on waivers, now's a good time to pick him up. But I certainly wouldn't drop him. I'd keep him stashed in a DL spot. Yeah, I guess I found that an odd move, but he does have some workload concerns anyway, and they're not going anywhere anytime fast. So you, you might as well kind of ease off a guy that's hopefully going to be a sizable part of your rebuild. Um, I looked up this number last night after the Cardinals scored 12 runs against the Reds. Uh, the Reds have allowed third, 359 runs in 59 games this season. Yikes. That's 359 runs. <laughs> the Cubs have allowed the Cubs are the best staff in baseball, and they've allowed 164 runs in 58 games. That's so insane. It's, I think the Reds are going to set some records here because they're only going to get worse as they sell off parts. That's true. That's true. And especially pieces in their lineup, too, like Jay Bruce, Zach Cozart. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be a rough year. Yeah, Cozart suddenly looks like a, a real nice trade piece for them. Uh, a good defensive shortstop with a OPS in the high 800s. I think he homered again last night. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We're going to shift to another NL Central team, talk about the Pirates. Uh, Jamison Tyone made his major league debut Wednesday against the Mets, took a no decision, three runs over six innings. Uh, did you get a chance to check any of that? A very little bit. I assume you, you watched the game since, I did. You're a, since you're a big Mets fan. I did watch it. <laughs> I did watch it. Um, I thought he looked fine. Um, yeah, he was cruising until like the fourth inning, right? Um, uh, I think Ty Kelly hit his first career home yeah. run off him. Yeah, Ty Kelly, an uh, anonymous Ty Kelly, uh, hit a home run off him. But Tyone uh, topped out at 97 miles per hour. The curveball looked really good at times. He, I don't know if you saw, there was like a vine circulating around on Twitter of him breaking off a nasty one on Ioannis Cespedes. It was really nasty, really yeah, awesome. It, it's a great curve. Um, he was sent back down to AAA Indianapolis this morning, but – I suspect he'll be back up before the end of this month. Yeah. Um, uh, Fran- I, don't, I don't know where you slot him in. Francisco Liriano isn't pitching well. Got skipped on his last turn, but I, I doubt they abandoned that. Jeff Locke's been a lot better lately after getting off to a poor start. He threw his first career shutout against the Marlins on uh, May 30th. Maybe Juan Nicasio is the one to go. Yeah. He was a, a really popular sleeper this spring. I know I was touting him a lot, but. He's already up at 58 innings, and he only threw 58 and a third last season. So there's serious workload issues there. And he's always had issues against left-handed batters. So that was my concern. Yeah, and he hasn't he hasn't been as good, nearly as good as everyone was hoping he'd be after a huge spring. Right. And Nice Nice had a good outing against the Mets this week. Um, Nice has quietly been pretty good over like the last month. Yep. So it's, I think there will be an opening in time, but I saw enough in this outing to be encouraged. He, he hung a couple of curveballs. I think, uh, in a bat with his Drupal Cabrera was one of them. The, the Homer by Ty Kelly was just on a fastball that was like right down the middle. Um, you can't contain Ty Kelly. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so I think there was some commands. There was some command issues, and you have to figure first major league start, you have like the jitters and that kind of thing. So you know, you give them a mulligan for that. I think all in all, it was a it was a pretty good start. Um, yeah. Speaking of young starters, uh, the Dodgers announced this morning that Julio Urias is going to make his fourth major league start um, on Sunday night at AT and T Park against the rival Giants. He was lined up to start Monday. I believe against the Diamondbacks, mm-hmm. but they but they uh, they're going to use a, an off day to, to to move him up and put him in prime time. So Urias, his debut was at City Field, New York. Um, his second start was at Wrigley Field against the Juggernaut Cubs. He faced a really good Colorado offense in his third start, and now he's on Sunday Night Baseball against the arch rival Giants. Um, it's tough to throw him into the fire like that, but I guess that's the major leagues. He's looked better in each start. Um, four innings of one-run ball, seven strikeouts against a good Rockies offense. Are you going to start him at AT&T Park if you own him? I, I don't know because he's still sort of in that 80-90 pitch range. Um, mm-hmm. So I just think the win potential is going to be limited. I just for mixed leagues this year, redraft leagues, I just don't see much bang for your buck and he's going to hit that innings limit at some point. I mean, there's just too many restrictions on him this year to be all that interesting to me, to yeah. be honest. You've been saying that since our, our first podcast and I, I've come more to your side. I just get very excited about like, you know, top talent that comes up. Yeah. I mean, they've babied him so much coming up through the minors. He's just not going to throw a hundred pitches. It's just not going to happen yet. Hopefully it'll happen next year. But for this year, I think he's just like a guy we're going to see flashes and be excited by it, but they're not going to push him. It's just not going to happen. I don't think. I guess on that topic too, we should note that Jose De Leon, the Dodgers, other top pitching prospect is back in the rotation at AAA Oklahoma city after missing about a month with a, a sore shoulder. And he was awesome in his first start back at the AAA. I think he possibly could have a bigger impact than Urias this year. And yeah, you know, I was talking to a lot of amateur scouts on Twitter. You know, self <laughs> describes scouts who, who like really like De Leon more than Urias, even long term. Hmm. Um, and I, I think I mean I mean he's he's rated a top twenty five prospect, so it's not like a crazy hot take, but. Um, that's that's something else to watch. Yeah, I think we could definitely see him during the second half. And it sounds like Brandon McCarthy is going to start a minor league rehab assignment. He's making his way back from Tommy John surgery. So we could see him around the all-star break as well. So the Dodgers are going to have options for this rotation. And Arias probably going to end up in the bullpen during the second half. That'd be my prediction. Yeah, that's probably right. A guy that you know throws strikes and throws from the left side, he would be a really nice like one inning two inning reliever down the stretch for them i agree um one trade that happened just before we hopped on the air the cubs reacquired chris coglin from the a's for arismendi alcantara uh, which is an interesting oh, wow. interesting trade because the cubs could use some depth right now jorge soler and tommy Lastella both going on the dl for the cubs this week so Coglin will give him some bench depth and with Alcantara this is a guy that we were excited about a couple of years ago as a fantasy sleeper but he's been understandably buried in the Cubs organization over the past year or so with all the quality young players they have coming up through the minors but still just 24 years old has some pop and speed I could see him having some value with the A's this season if they trade 
Valencia, Jed Lowry, players like that. So keep an eye out for him in AL only leagues. And Coglin could have some short-term viability in NL only formats as well, maybe even some deeper mixed leagues. Yep, and the Cubs called up Albert Almora earlier this week. I guess we could touch on that. He's a a nice-looking prospect, very good defensively. He uh, had an outfield assist uh, in his first major league start and also had a, a hit and an RBI and a run scored. I don't, he's not going to play enough to be, like, fantasy relevant, but, you know, the Cubs just get richer. Yeah, I think he's someone that's probably going to be more useful in real-life baseball than fantasy. As you said, really good defender. Has been hitting pretty well, dating back, I think, to the second half of last year. But I don't think we're going to see a ton of fantasy impact from him. Probably not. Yeah, he pr- he probably won't play enough unless like they suffer a couple more injuries yeah i was sort of hopeful with uh solaire hitting the dl that uh javier baez will get more time at third base and they'll put chris bryan in the outfield um so we'll see if that comes to fruition but you know joe madden he's gonna mix and match his options i don't want to talk about the cubs anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay moving on we're, we're gonna take some questions from the roto world mailbag we have twitter questions this week but you can always email us rotoworldbaseballpod at gmail.com again rotoworldbaseballpod at gmail.com this first question is from andrew kim art on twitter he says he's been offered dallas keichel for steven piscotti and michael franco is that too much to give up or should he buy low Perhaps trade Piscotti alone. Um, so again, Keuchel <laughs> for Piscotti and Franco. That's way too much. Yeah, I agree. Um, way too much. Keuchel has looked a, a lot more like the guy that won a Cy Young last year, though not though not fully. Um, I don't know. His last start at, at Texas is is one I watched, and and you look at it, you look at his line, you see four runs allowed, but. He pitched into the eighth inning and then gave up a homer to Ian Desmond. I noticed that, uh, yeah. Finished with eight strikeouts, zero walks. The walk rate has significantly improved. That was a very odd problem for him earlier in the year. Um, I, I think Keuchel's like a really good buy low, but I, there's no way for Piscotti and Franco. Um, maybe for Piscotti straight up. Um, Piscotti's like – I really like him. Um, he's become a legitimate cleanup presence for the Cardinals, but – He's like an 18 homer outfielder um, playing in a in a pitcher's park. I guess you could rack up a nice RBI total if he manages to stick at cleanup or or clean up with the fifth spot. But um, yeah, those kind of guys are easy to find, like 18 homer outfielders. That's fair. That's fair. I am worried about Keuchel even still. I mean, the control has gotten in check, but he's given up home runs. He's already given up 10. He gave up 11 in all of 2014. He gave up 17 last year. His hard hit rate is still elevated. The average exit velocity is up as well. I could see, like, maybe doing Franco for him is a bit more reasonable, but I, honestly, I'm not even sure I'd do that. I think I'm, I think I'm worried about Keuchel. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. I mean, you look at his overall numbers of 5.44 ERA, 1.44 whip, 27 walks. This is just not the guy that we saw last year. Yeah. I think you're just, if you do trade for him, you're just crossing your fingers and hoping we see that guy return. I'm just not sure we're going to see it. So um, next question from Lehigh M 82 on Twitter. He said that he needs speed. Would you rather own Rajay Davis or Ben Revere for the rest of the season? Revere has been terrible and barely running. Yep. Um, 
five stolen base attempts so far for Revere in 29 games, and he's been caught on three of them. Compare that to Rajay Davis, who has 16 stolen base attempts in 53 games and has only been caught on three of them as well. I guess for pure speed, I'm probably taking Davis. Um, Even though the Indians' best prospects are outfielders, Bradley Zimmer and Clint Frazier, and I think both of them could arrive this year uh, with Michael Brantley still sidelined with shoulder trouble. Um, Or they'll make a trade if they're in the mix. Yeah, uh, and, and they've been playing good ball so far. I, I don't, this is a, a tough question for me. I think Revere is probably the better player, but I, I don't really have a lot of data to back back up that opinion. I mean, he has a he's hitting 188 with a 250 on base percentage, and the Nationals keep batting him leadoff because that's well, that's good old Dusty Baker. Yeah, that's just stubborn Dusty Baker. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's pretty close. To, if I, if this is just a straight speed deal, if I just want stolen bases, I guess I'll go with Davis because I think he should keep playing and he should keep stealing. I, I I don't know. This is a tough one for me. What do you well, think? Well, Revere's not running because he's not getting on base. I mean, that's, yeah. that's all it's coming down to. And <laughs> he's never been a big on base percentage guy to begin with. But you're right, hitting 188 through 29 games and what's really weird is he's not like striking out any more than he ever has in the past it's the contact rate's really good almost elite but he's hitting the ball in the air too much like way above anything he's ever done so far um and we need to see him hit the ball on the ground that's that's how he creates that useful batting average taking advantage of his speed but he's only had 128 plate appearances so far so i think we're still in small sample territory with him um, and I think with Davy Lopes influence on that roster, if he gets back on base, his usual pace continues to hit lead off for the nationals. I think he's going to be more useful than Davis going forward. I, I would buy low on Revere in this situation, to be honest. Yeah. I think, he, I mean, you made a very simple, but obvious point. Yeah. You have to get on base to, to steal bases. He has been caught three times in five tries, but I, I mean, that's just luck of the draw. Yeah. It could be um, noise. Who knows? And know. Michael Taylor still isn't really hitting, so he's not really a threat to take his job. Sure. Um, I don't. I, it's close to me, but I, I. I don't know. I could. I could get on the Revere train, I guess. Yeah. And Davis seems to be a guy like he doesn't really hit righties. He does most of his damage mm-hmm. against lefties. So I think that Revere is the kind of guy who's going to be in the lineup most days, and and Dusty Baker is going to stick with him in the leadoff spot, especially if he starts hitting. So. I, I take my chance with Revere going forward, but yeah, if, if he starts hitting and he and he stays at leadoff, which he probably will, I mean, yeah, he's got some really good hitters behind him. Obviously, Bryce Harper and Anthony Rendon and Ryan Zimmerman and Jason Worth. Yep. Um, yeah, I, the upside is there more for Revere. I, I would agree with that. So we have one more question. It's from J N Amore twenty four on Twitter. And this goes back to Jerks and Profar. He's asking Jerks and Profar and Nick, or Nick Castellanos rest of the season. Who do you want? It's an easy one for me. I'm taking Nick Castellanos. Um, we've seen a little bit of regression, which is just natural because of where he was. But I don't know, he slugged his 11th home run of the season on Wednesday night. 35 RBIs, 903 OPS, and 56 games. Like this could be a legitimate 24 year old third baseman breaking out. Yeah, I think people uh, forget how young he is. Yeah, I mean, they, they they called him up what when he was like late twenty one year old player, um, and and I mean he was a big prospect, and 
He's hitting fifth in a very good lineup. Um, we don't really know what the future holds for Profar, and I think we're going to see some regression from him for sure. Um, yeah, it's Castellanos for me like pretty easily. I agree with you. I agree with you. I never believed in the early batting average maintaining itself, but I do believe in the power and the place in the lineup, the chance to knock in a bunch of runs. And it's not like Profar steals bases. That's really not his game. So you're banking on average and multi-position eligibility and things like that. Um, and Castellanos has more power. Um, so I think maybe if you were in a dynasty league, maybe the answer would be a little bit different, possibly. Um, but for this year in a redraft league, I'm going Castellanos, no doubt. Yeah, Jerickson profile was hitting pretty well before his call-up at AAA, but he wasn't like lighting the Pacific Coast League on fire. No, he wasn't, no. So we're going to see him fall back to earth. Um, yeah, I think Castellanos... Meanwhile, could be like a legitimate breakout 25 homer third baseman, you know, 25 homer, 95 RBI third baseman. I think that's fair. So I think that'll do it for us this week. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, and please rate and review. You can find me at DJ Short on Twitter. Drew is at Drew Silve on Twitter. We'll see you next week. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.